This is a MacKillop Farm Management Group podcast. We acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the ancestral lands, Potawitch to the north, Jawajali to the east, Bowendik to the south and Mitung to the west of the Limestone Coast region. We acknowledge Elders past and present and we respect the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of Aboriginal peoples to country. Welcome to The Prosperous Farmer, a podcast telling the stories of farmers in the Limestone Coast and Western Victoria. I'm Meg Bell, and today we're joined by Amanda Pearce and Josie Jackson, who are here to share their learnings about grazing standing crops. Welcome, Amanda and Josie. Amanda is a Senior Research Officer with the PERSA South Australian Research and Development Institute and has been involved in managing cropping research projects throughout the Limestone Coast for over 10 years. Amanda has been involved with a large range of research projects over the years, looking at areas such as crop sequencing, barley yellow dwarf virus, pasture variety management and soil management. Josie and her husband Jamie have farmed at Willaluka since 1983, with a focus on first cross ewe lambs. The Jacksons are well known for the revegetation they've carried out on their property and incorporating seed collection and plant growing into their farming enterprise, with Josie being recognised as the Australian Forest Growers 2010 Tree Farmer of the Year. What an accolade, Josie. Yep, well, we certainly went to a farm in the early days, 1983, or whenever after Ash Wednesday bushfires, and we had a 1,000 acres in the middle without a tree on it. So... I used to lie in bed awake at night worrying about ewes having lambs in the winter time so started on the tree growing project and thought oh well I'm never going to get there yeah. so then started re-veg work really. Yeah. Great. Yeah. T- tell us a bit about how you first got into farming Josie. Well I was born into farming, brought up at Mount Monster near Keith, loved riding horses and helping dad do sheep work and things like that. Got sent off to boarding school in those days when you know, there wasn't years 11 and 12 at Keith, and I really wanted to be a vet. Didn't get straight A's in matric back in those days, so I thought oh, I'll come home and, you know, go to Bordertown High School so I can get my straight A's. Started working for Dad, and I thought, nah, I couldn't sit at a desk for six years. I love being outdoors and stuff like that, so I ended up going to Roseworthy. Fantastic. Yeah. So you've been involved in sheep production and, and manage, sheep management since 1983 or really before that. Tell yep. us a bit about op- your operation since that time, since you went out on your own and how has it changed? Well, when we came to Willaluka in 1983, it was when the Ash Wednesday fires were on. We were all merinos then. We took on managing the property that we're at now at Willaluka for Dad and it was 3,000 merino ewes and you know some merino lambs but some dorset lambs and Jamie and I had been involved with the AMS Society in Western Australia, Australian Merino Society. So back then we started AIing a thousand merino ewes every year to good rams and we were dead die in the wool merino people and then we started buying land in 1986, went through wool price reserve scheme crashes, paying 22% interest, working off farm, re-veg and everything else. We ended up with big problems financially with merinos. We ran them all as weathers for five years and then decided to go along the track of breeding first cross ewes, the border listers over the merinos. And we used to make quite good money out of the ewe lambs, but terrible money out of the weather lambs. We just about gave them away. And then when 
we went, Dad was overseas and he came back with a great idea of East Frisians. So we started on the East Frisian track doing ET and all sorts of things, trying something else. And then we bought some border Lester ewes from a guy in the southeast that got caught with yonis. Mm. So we went down the Yonis track, even though we had everything tested for two years, a few of those border Leicester ewes hadn't been tested before they went to slaughter when they were empty. And so we were not able to trade sheep for two years. Mm. And that was sort of the beginning of the end for us as far as finding the merino industry and stuff like that pretty mm. tough. And then Dad sold his farm down at Beachport and he had some wilty pole and wilty pole crosses that we bought from him and found them fantastic sheep and so we decided we were going along that shedding line and so we started buying more wilty pole rams even thinking about putting them over merino ewes to breed first cross ewes that were more suitable for us than border lesters and uh, then as we got older thought hmm Maybe the shedding sheep are the way to go. You know, wool isn't that grand. The sheep were such better doers. So then we tried dorpers over the wilty poles and just hated them. <laughs> and then we got to the Aussie whites and we've been on that track for about 10 years now. So we've got to the stage for the last five years we haven't had a merino on the place. We've got all nice clean sheep. It's taken us a while, but we've got really good sheep. Lamb three times in two years, no wool. No shearing, no crutching, no flies. Fantastic. Beautiful. Yeah. And you can get away to the beach in the summertime. Oh, we can get to the beach, <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. You, you talked a little bit about the reveg at the start, Josie, but have you done other things in your business? You might have implemented some strategies or impl implemented something new that that's helped you sort of build the resilience and versatility of your business? Jamie was heavily involved with the grazing for profit group that was you know a long time ago mm. now and we've implemented a lot of sill grazing at home and so we run you know yes less use three lambings in two years we don't graze short pastures we have a little bit of set stocking when we're lambing but in in the long run we run less use we have more lambs to sell every year we basically have no hand feeding we've always got plenty of feed and the time and cost of feeding sheep, really, we just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Life's a lot easier with what we do now. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda, you've been managing our Grazing Standing Crops project, which Josie and Jamie have been, have been a host for. Yeah. Can you give us a bit of an overview of the project and what Standing Crops actually refers to? We've been working on a Grazing Standing Crops project, and that's been funded through the Federal Government and the National Land Care program and it's really looking at holding back a crop so rather than harvesting a crop you can use that crop for feed and that gives you that versatility and opportunity throughout that harvest time to put sheep onto that and use that high quality feed either putting ewes finishing off lambs on there so that's what grazing standing crops uh, in this project is about is holding back a fodder bank and providing feed over that summertime another way to fill a feed gap a yeah definitely yeah. so it gives you that opportunity if you need that feed feed resource you can use that standing crop and also it can be used if you've had a fail crop as well so salvaging yep. operations yep 
What sort of activities has the project included and, and where have they been done? So being fortunate, Josie and Jamie have been hosting trial work at their property for the last three years. In 2020, San Jolly and Claire Dennelly ran some trials. They're looking at the cost benefit of grazing a standing crop compared to harvesting. And in 2021 and 2022, the SARDI team have been responsible for managing that trial work. So we've been looking at following the crop through to maturity and then we take dry matter cuts, feed test that, work out how much biomass is available and work out our potential yield. And then Jamie and Josie weigh sheep going on and off that crop and tell us the weight gain and sale price and then we work out a gross margin to compare what we could do if we had harvested compared to what they're achieving with their grazing standing, grazing that standing crop. Yeah. Who else has been involved with the project? It's sort of yeah. fairly local, but we've, yeah. we've also got the Birchett Cropping Group involved and they've worked heavily across their region as well. And so tell us a bit about the results from the demonstrations that have been held on Josie and Jamie's place. Yep, so we've had a really good look at the 2021 result. So we start off with looking at the establishment cost of the crop. So regardless if you're going to graze it or if you're going to harvest it, you still need to have the establishment cost. And that involves the seeding, purchasing the seed, the seed dressing, your pre-emergence, your knockdown and your pre-emergence. Also your urea application or fertiliser and then possibly your fungicide regime. So we start off with that establishment cost and then in 2021 we harvested five tonnes of biomass so five tonnes of dry matter came off the uh, scope barley paddock that we were monitoring and then when we look at that we worked out it's about a two tonne crop if it had been harvested and then the barley price in 2021 was $330 so we worked out we'd have an income of 660 and we take that away from our establishment cost and our harvest cost and we're looking at a, a figure of about a gross margin about $188 per hectare. So if we'd harvested that crop, that's what our gross margin would be. And then we like to compare that to what Josie and Jamie did with the sheep, putting them into the paddock. And our gross margin for that gets quite complicated and, and hard to tell <laughs> over the, the microphone. So our gross margin ended up being $288 per hectare. And that's putting in sheep with a weight gain of about 12 kilos, uh, running them over 60 days. And so it ended up being at, at their property in 2021, we had a $100 um, per hectare gross margin benefit by grazing that standing crop compared to harvesting. As Josie would say, the barley crop wasn't exceptional and it was the best option for that barley crop. Anyway, a two tonne barley crop's not going to be a great profit to the farming enterprise. So. You can see how something like grazing a standing crop can be very very beneficial for the farming enterprise. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the one of the big benefits, isn't it? That that versatility. It really gives you lots of options. You manage it as a normal crop until in this instance later in the season when you can make a decision of what you'd like to do with it. What are some of the other benefits and, and advantages of having a standing crop in your enterprise? It's that real versatility, but it also gives you the flexibility and having that ground cover over the summer months, that's really vital for those windy days over summer. And it gives us 
feed that's produced on winter rain as well so you've got that sitting there already waiting for you so it's a great great nutrition nutritional option for farmers yeah for sure what were your highlights do you think amanda from this project pulling together the gross margin because i think we all look at feed tests and go hooly dooly what does that mean Mm -hmm. and then actually entering that into the nutritional value and what what's required and so our highlight is learning the nutrient demand of the livestock and how we have to supplement feed them what do they actually need do we need what nutrition nutritional licks or supplements so that's that's been a real learning curve Josie as we've talked about your place at Willaluka was one of our demonstration sites can you tell us a bit about the the type and the look of your property and how, how it runs certainly the ones for the standing grazing crops it's part of our pasture renovation program. Because we do a lot of clay spreading and delving, we generally sand over clay and the hollows get a bit wet and the hills are non-wetting, so to try and improve our property. And in the long run, the aim is to get good pastures there. But in the meantime, when you've delved and clay spread, you've got very rough paddocks. Takes a couple of years of a barley crop or similar and in our case we use scope barley so that Jamie can spray out weeds and things underneath takes a couple of years of a barley crop to then have a paddock that's suitable for pasture renovation so we use those paddocks as a crop that we don't put our lambs in until it's actually a mature crop there's a lot of people that would use a crop as a green pasture but we've got plenty of good green feed in the winter time so we just leave it there as a whole crop and put our ewe lambs in it after they've been weaned for a while as a crop so that we can go to the beach yeah. <laughs> and enjoy the summer. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Like, and that's another benefit of, of doing yeah. this type of grazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So Josie, tell us a bit about why did you get involved with, with doing the project and doing the demo site? Initially, I went to a Sand Jolly nutrition mm. workshop. Mm. I thought, you know, she spoke a lot of sense to us. And in the early days, we used to get wilty pole rams and wilty pole cross rams and things like that from her. She was a very good sheep breeder and really knew her stuff on nutrition. And, you know, we used to have lambs running on a fescue pasture on our irrigation that just weren't doing and things like that. So we'd do pasture tests and find out oh well that fescue's got far too much protein and not enough energy you need to feed a couple of hundred grams of barley a day and all those sort of things so I'd had her history in the past and then it was about really about grazing that crop rather than us in our country reaping a poor crop and feeding it back to the lambs Mm -hmm. so that's why I really got involved Yeah. Good. Sans had a big influence over this project, hasn't yeah, she? she yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was involved in the first iteration, yeah. um, which was just excellent. You've talked a bit about the advantages to your business yeah. of grazing standing crops. Are there, are there any disadvantages, Josie? Our lambs don't grow as well on that standing crop that's dry as what our weather lambs do on a good perennial pasture. So we have learned that you've really got to wean your lambs, not put two younger lambs on there, get the lambs sort of ready for a feeder in there, put lupins in a feeder in there that's good high protein, feed loose and hay, things like that, right from the start rather than wait until they've picked the best out of the paddock. So we have learned a few things, yeah. you know, and you really have to 
imprint your lambs properly and all of those sort of things to go well. But there are advantages too, mm. you know, because uh, means you can have the lambs in that paddock free of grass seeds, not having to worry about them. Go to the beach for a few weeks, come back, you know, once a week, feed a few bales of hay, the feed's in the feeder, check the lambs, and honestly, we've hardly lost a lamb. It's not been from grazing the crop. It's been from making a pig of themselves at the feeder or something like that if you've opened it up a bit early or they haven't been imprinted well enough or whatever. Yeah. Have you got any other learnings about being a demonstration site and and working with somebody who's coming onto your farm to to take measurements for you and um, Um, being part of a a project? It has been good because, you know, I always before doing this always worried about putting lambs on a crop Mm. I would have always worried about putting ewes on a crop Mm. that was just full of grain too I mind you thinking oh they're going to make them you know make a pig of themselves and poison themselves or kill themselves Mm. or whatever but we have learnt we use scope barley which has got awns on it they won't poison themselves you know they just don't make pigs of themselves with barley with awns on them you don't need to put them on too early. They won't do as well. You definitely need to have a good protein substitute mm-hmm. if you're going to put them on there, get your feed balance right. But at the same time, it keeps them out of grass seeds. We can save our better, younger, loosened phalaris pastures for our weather lambs, our ewe lambs that lamb in August, September. It's always a bit of a struggle finding a really good paddock for them. So if we can get rid of the older ewe lambs that we're keeping for ourselves onto the crop. We've got another paddock or two saved up for the ewe lambs, mm. lambs when we wean them. And they also get a bit of a benefit the next year if you have an early break, you've got a green pick for sheep again. For yeah. sure, yeah. Amanda, can you tell us what your practical tips are for farmers and how they can implement grazing standing crops into their own business? Yeah, sure, Meg. A lot of these tips we've seen implemented at JC and Jamie's, which we've seen being very successful. And one of those tips is mowing around the outside of, of the paddock and that gives the sheep uh, access to a water trough gates and they can find their way around. And opening up an, a, a gate if you've got the opportunity to an adjoining paddock just early on so they can come in and out and get used to the, the larger mature crop. Another vital tip is testing. We need to know what dry matter, what qualities available, the grain, what the nutrition is in there, feed testing, all those, and also your supplements and nutrition. So you're able to meet your nutrient requirements. You need to have that information available. Keeping good records and doing your gross margin so you can actually work out, is this beneficial for our property? And by doing that, you get that real confidence knowing that this is going to work, not only for your versatility and all the other positive benefits, but so you know economically where we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. Kind of on that topic, what do you think individual farmers could be doing to make sure they optimise the growth rates of their lambs on these types of crops? Well, it's definitely meeting that nutritional demand. So making sure you are providing that protein supplement, nutrition licks, that would be my, my recommendation. Mm. What's next for the project? Well, we're pulling together the final results from uh, 2022. So we'll end up with three lots of data from those those trials. We'll have the gross margin, so we'll pull them together. 
we'll put them out to McKillop farmers and other farmers in the district so we can have real confidence and knowledge on what we're doing with our grazing standing crops. It's one thing to just go in and, and have a go but it's nice to have that confidence and that knowledge and the research from our local area on the benefits of doing that. So that's where we're headed Meg. Fantastic. Thanks Amanda. Josie, what are your key learnings and suggestions for other people out of this whole experience? Just backing up Amanda, I think you really do need, because there's two different systems here really, it's either the grazing them while they're green and therefore you need to find out like if that's really high protein you might need to be speeding some energy, you know, so if it's a really right. strong high protein loosen or loosened barley crop or something as such you might need to be feeding the sheep barley and likewise with us when it was just the dry standing crop you, we need to be feeding the protein you know so that is really important to get that done and get your feed test done and if you're going into that way of thinking and that that's the same even just with your normal farming on your pastures you know you see a lot of pastures where the lambs are shitty and dirty and wormy and everyone says oh it's all worms but it's not necessarily it's your feed quality and whatever and you might need to just tweak a few things mm. but at the same time you want to try and keep it as basic as you possibly can so that it's not confronting and a lot of the time if it's green you need energy and if it's dry you need protein yeah. and it's not that hard to work out don't be frightened of it People also seem to think they need to give things a go. Well, you'll always get what you've always got. If you don't give things a bit of a try, if it doesn't work, try something else or, you know, you've got to be happy with what you're doing. Absolutely. You know? yeah. yeah. What a great attitude, Josie. Yeah. That's fabulous. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> Josie, what's next for you and Jamie? Oh, Jamie would like to retire. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, I still love farming yeah. and it's taken a long time, but we make plenty of money doing less these days, yeah. working things out as we go. Mm. Our little sheep enterprise is fantastic. That shelter, good pastures, still grazing, little bit of set stocking occasionally at landmarking, but rotating sheep and cattle and it takes a while to learn some things, but I just still love stock work and I don't want to give it up yet. <laughs> I reckon you should keep doing what, doing it while you still want to keep doing it, Josie. Yeah, well, what's the point of retiring and dying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, Jos- not ready for bridge yet. <laughs> Prefer to be at the beach, I think. Oh, I love riding down the beach in the summertime, but that's getting busier all the time. But yeah. I love spending time with the grandkids and yeah. stuff like that down there now in the summer. So you've got to get there while you can. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being here today. It's been great to have you. Thank you, Meg. Yeah, thanks, Meg. It's been a great day. Today's episode is supported by the Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment through funding from the Australian Government's National Land Care Program. Thanks for listening to The Prosperous Farmer, a MacKillop Farm Management Group production. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at MacKillop Group or check out our website at www.mackillopgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening and see you next time.